Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's been cut up from the butter. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, my finest friends. Welcome to uh, another edition of uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, though I was talking to a bloke in a McLaren orange sports car uh, who did, tried to... Um, yeah, I was, I was just, he was on the drive up. This is what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, I've never seen a McLaren sports car actually on the road before. It's quite exciting. It's a very expensive car. And I, I, drew, I pulled up alongside him, and then he got ahead of me, and he was sort of weaving between the traffic. And then I saw him get into an argument with, a, with the driver in front of me, and he tried to drive him off the road and was trying to have a fight with him. But the other driver carried on, so he just called him a wanker out the window. Uh, after another van driver called me a bastard after he'd cut me up as well. I've been cut up a lot. Anyway, both of those people call it Rahalastva. So they're, they're, they're cool. They've got sports cars. I've, do, I've, tell, I've driven into London for the last... It's very, I'm on the wrong side. I have to tell you, I'm on the wrong side. My guest this week has insisted on going on my side. Just playing, playing mind games. She likes to fuck people up. 
And it is weird. It is working. I'm intimidated. But I'm, it's really weird me being on this side, isn't it? It's wrong. It's, it's deeply wrong, but I'm going to enjoy it anyway because, you know, I'll do whatever this guest tells me. <laughs> That's a promise. That was in my marriage vows. Uh, so... What was I saying? Oh, I've driven in three days, three days in a row to London and people have been either throwing themselves in front of my car or just driving. I've been a very good driver. Again, my guest said it was probably me, but it wasn't me. It was uh, it's everyone else's being bad. And I've saved the life of everyone. I guess, you know, there's a lot of people who are tired of London and thus tired of life in London at the moment because it's noticeable. Something weird's going on, I'm telling you. It's like some nights in Edinburgh... All the audiences are the same wherever you go. Everyone says, we had a terrible audience. Something's going down in London at the moment. There's a big moon, isn't there? There's a big red moon at the moment. That will explain it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thank you very much for coming, everybody. Um, Look, uh, if you're listening at home or if you're here, indeed, we've got loads of fantastic gigs coming up here at the Leicester Square Theatre. Go to richtrain.com slash Rahalastapa. Thank you. And uh, you can see fantastic guests are coming up. Do come along. It's fantastic when we get a nice big audience in here and uh, we are booking some brilliant guests and it's going on into 2023. We started booking up gigs as well, so do that. And please do buy my book, uh, Can I Have My Ball Back? I had a copy of it. Uh, Chris Evans, not that one, has stolen it and I can't hold it up. It's good, though, so it'll be out for you people here. It's out next week for you people at home. It's been out for ages. Why haven't you bought it yet? Uh, This week it was the Tory party conference. Uh, Liz Truss, the Prime Minister at the time of recording, (laughs) said in a speech that she wants what I want, and that disgusts me. I have to tell you that if that is... (laughs) I don't think she should be allowed to be Prime Minister with that sort of stuff going on in her head. Uh, though I have to say, and I've said this on my other podcast, but uh, my, I, don't, I no longer fancy Pretty Patel because she's not got the power. It's the power I like. I used to fancy Pretty Patel. But now I really like Suella Braverman. Suella Braverman. Suella Deville. Is that Suella Braverman? She, I, she, I just like them. The more evil they are, it's Suella Braverman. Uh, the, uh, the queen, the Borg queen. I like... And Serverland from Blake 7, that's for the... There'll be some older people in who'll get that reference. But once they lost their power, I'm not interested. But, you know, when she goes on about just dreaming of deporting refugees. <laughs> OK, my... Um, let's, let's move on. The first two are all right because they're fictional, right? But then it's not right if you... No. It's fine. It's, we'll be all right. They can't be on. They can't be on. They can't be in for much longer. Um, my guest this week, who's sitting in my chair, is probably best known for her appearance on Roland Rat, the TV series. That's why we're here. That's what. That's what she's known for. Will you please welcome the incredible Annika Rice, ladies and gentlemen? Annika Rice. Annika Rice. There she is. Have my chair. Have my chair. What a very fine chair on this side, I seem to have. Thank you. Well, lovely to have you. Lovely to meet you in the flesh. We talked last year online. Online. And then we did, after that, we did a podcast together. Bang, bang. Um, Um, can you, what can you uh, tell us about Roland Rat? Do you remember working with Roland Rat? Roland Rat. Do you remember it? No, I do. Yeah, I do remember it. I was there. Uh, <laughs> but I don't remember anything about Roland Rat. What was he like in real it life? It was just weird because the guy in real life yeah. was kind of rodent-like as well. 
and he'd sit under the counter yeah. or under the sofa or wherever it was. And it was difficult for your eyeline not to flip between the two and wonder which way round it was. It was just, <laughs> it was just very surreal, Roland Rat. Thank you okay. for bringing that up. I That's forgot right. my, my scene with Roland Rat. you'd remember that. Yeah. Um, it was only, this is a very quick return, Anarchy. You were only on, it turns out, like about 16 months ago. It feels like it was, it was at this end of second lockdown and yeah. some things have happened to me this yeah, year. Yeah, you just lost a ball. I just lost a ball. So <laughs> we, we literally spent half an hour talking about his ball, yeah. which was... It's almost like I'd engineered the whole thing, it was wasn't nice. it? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like Nurse Ratchet by the end of yeah. it. So I'm all right, we don't have to talk about it now, but uh, it... No. it I thought, well, you know, we talked about everything, but there's so much to talk about still. You've done so much, even since last year. Uh, and uh, there's, you know, we're not going to talk much about uh, Challenge Annika. We sure will come up, but uh, all the other things we talked about. But I've just been listening on the way up when I wasn't being nearly killed yeah, you, by people. When you weren't being apprehended by police. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, and you, you told me you've been arrested, so, you know, do you want to t- t- tell us about being arrested? What was that story? You just told us just now <laughs> backstage. I can't remember. You can't remember. You can get arrested very often, Annika. Yeah. Which story was it? <laughs> it Which... was about uh, oh, airport the, security. Oh, yes. I was thinking of a car offence. I was thinking <laughs> genuinely I don't think I've been arrested in a car. Yeah, no, I was, in, I was at Dubrovnik Airport in Croatia and the day before I'd been with my kids and we'd had a lovely tour. This lovely um, <laughs> university professor had singled us out and said, I would like to take you on a tour of our city so we said lovely we got on really well we took him out for lunch and then at the end he said as a token of my admiration for you as a fine mother and your wonderful boys I would like to give you this and it was a bullet a Kalishnikov bullet uh, from the homeland war because we've been talking about that and I said lovely <laughs> popped it in my handbag don't know more about it got to the airport bloody arrested <laughs> Literally taken away from my children. <laughs> Bye. And I and I I was you know I was going to say backstage, but you know insecurity yeah. at the airport. And um, <laughs> and the woman, it was a luckily it was a woman who'd come to frisk me right. and, and do all that. And she said, do you know what? It's bloody Sunday. <laughs> You're lucky it's Sunday because we all want to go home. Off you go. <laughs> so had it been Monday. I possibly could be still there in a prison. Wow. Yeah. Did they let you keep the bullet? No, they took okay, the bullet. That's... And if I ever find that man... <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't check? They didn't check do you think your... He, do, do you think he did it on purpose? Do you think he hated us? Having said he loved us, he hated us so, so was much. It li- was it a live round or a... Or a... a live, yeah. yeah. he definitely hated you. He did, yeah. hate. I think maybe he was in love with you and wanted you to stay in the country. And then he could... The probably funny had thing some is, room. we actually did a challenge in Croatia and I have a very noble, wonderful memory of filming during the just after the Homeland War. And, right. and while we were doing the challenge, we literally had Serb gunmen trained on us snipers in the hills and we had to be protected by the United Nations. So that time as well, yes. I thought I was going to die. Right. So it's something about me in Croatia. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you're, you're travelling the world to dangerous places. Yeah, dangerous it's gonna, places. It's going to happen. But I was listening in the car to your fantastic uh, Radio 4 series, Annika Has Issues, because you've become a stand-up comedian. We talked about this a little <laughs> bit, but you are now a stand-up comedian. You've done at least two 
the actual full-on stand-up shows. Yeah. And this series yeah. is... is... I, I've been on tour with Lucy Porter <laughs> to Guernsey. OK, it was just a one venue. <laughs> but I loved being away with Lucy Porter. Yeah. I, I mean, we just... Oh, God, I love it. It's so... It's great. I, I mean, it's a bit weird sitting down, isn't it, in yes. a way? You, you've, we could stand up and do this. We can do Especially since you're bitter that I've taken your chair. I just, yeah. I'm just confused. Yeah. You, can, you can interview me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it started because I did a Radio 4 thing called My Teenage Diary. Has anyone ever listened to that? It's really lovely. You take along your teenage diaries, and mine particularly are <laughs> just mental. And, and I sat here with my diaries, and, you know, the audience was laughing hysterically because they were very funny. And I just... I just sort of really enjoyed that connection with the audience. Yeah. It's really great to go, hello, how are you? <laughs> you know, how nice to see you all. And so it started from there. I just thought, ah. Oh. So I, I wrote some comedy. Yeah. And Radio 4 have been obligingly um, putting them out and whatever. Well, so. it's very, you know, we get a lot about you. It's a, it's a very, it's, it's, you're a perfect uh, stand-up comedian. You're, you're very willing to talk about your life and your personal life, and that's what this show's all about. It's Anna has issues, and so you choose a, a subject each week where you have issues about family or death, which is quite interesting. Alzheimer's was an absolute roar of a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the Alzheimer's one is, is funny. There's, uh, you talk about Captain Dick in the Alzheimer's oh, one. Captain is... Dick. Oh, my God. Has anyone else had an experience like this? Oh, dear. It you sounds know, worse than it is. You know... You know those children's parties where you really try and go the extra mile for your child? So I booked Captain Dick. And the idea was that Captain Dick would take my son and his lovely schoolmates round Richmond Park in London um, and take them on jolly japes and, you know, make a fire perhaps and then come back all flushed with excitement and pretty exhausted, and I'd have a groaning picnic laid out for them. So that was the premise. So Captain Dick took the class off for Jolly Japes in the Bracken and came back for the picnic, and it was only then that I realised that Adam was missing. So I have a child who is missing in Richmond Park, and this isn't like a municipal park <laughs> where you can see the edges. It's 2,500 acres. <laughs> and there are rutting deer and a lot of lakes, and Adam was missing, and one thing you do not ever want to be is known as the mother who loses children. <laughs> so I had to go and find this child, and um, I did find him eventually sobbing in the bracken. He just had too much of Captain Dick and was just all over it. <laughs> and, and I brought him back to the picnic rug, and I then had one hour to reset Adam's mind. <laughs> Honestly, it was the biggest challenge I've ever done. One hour before his mum came, that I had to persuade him that he'd had the best bloody time at this party ever. So I, I was shaking. My poor son didn't get a look in Edgeworth. I didn't look at him for the rest of the party. I gave him all Josh's presents. I said, you take your picks. You did so well in the bracken. What would you like? Anyway, and I just, I brainwashed him for a whole hour. And by the time his mum came, Adam had truly had the best party ever. <laughs> and when I helped and poor, my poor son Josh just looked as all his presents were being opened by bloody Adam. <laughs> by the time Adam's mother came, little, uh, uh, little Adam was absolutely thrilled and I helped them into the car. 
And I said to Adam's mum, oh, he's been a joy. What an adventurous little soul he is. And she said, oh, that's really weird, because usually when he goes to a party, he hides and cries. <laughs> so... But see, you Bloody. talk about you. T- you reveal that on the record. Presumably, I mean, it was, obviously was a little while ago, I suppose. But... Yeah. Otherwise, Captain Dick will be suing. <laughs> well, I can't believe you. You know, you took a. You took that on yourself rather than than Captain Dick being in trouble for losing a child, which is that's the first rule of being a. Yes. Well, it was it was back in the day. You didn't <laughs> ever blame anyone else but yourself. You know, you wear your hair shirt, don't you, as the mother? Yeah. It's your fault if a but, child you know, is. Adam's no, mum has presumably now heard about this and, might then, and maybe put two and two together, even if you change the name. I never spoke to that family again. <laughs> he never came to another party. And I hate his mother. And poor Josh. <laughs> and poor Josh had no presents. We went home in stony silence. Yeah. But, you know, but they, yeah. you are covering big issues in it. And it oh, but, yeah. but you're, you know, you're, you're such a sympathetic and empathetic person... And you're so interested in all these things. It is. You talk about death, and you're very funny about your what your own plans for what you want for for your oh, own yes. ashes, and the fact yeah. you've got your you've got your parents' ashes as well. You yeah. Well, you can do so much now with your body, which is what I've discovered, having become <laughs> a bit of an expert on death. And um, I always remember, um, you know, back in the day, you just had a coffin, and it was very boring. But now it seems you can just do anything. At all. Carrie Fisher, the actress, when she died, she had her coffin in the shape of a Prozac pill. And I was doing the Radio 2 breakfast show at the time, and I did a sort of poll with the audience. And the Mm. audience, you know what Radio 2 audiences are like? They seized on this subject. And by the end, I had a list as long as my arm of brilliant options for coffins. But I thought for mine, I just wanted to have something blue because I love the colour blue. Everything in my life is coloured blue. And obviously it's got to be sort of long and blue, and I just thought for ages. And then the only thing I could think of that was long and blue is the Challenge Annika truck. (laughs) So this was perfect. And, you know, also what I'm doing when I leave this world, I'm leaving my children with a bit of a challenge, because they've got to create the truck (laughs) and place my body in it. Well, I think it should be yeah. like a, you know, like a Viking burial. It should be the actual truck. The BBC should give you the truck, truck. Or, and you should be buried like in Sutton Hoo under there. And then in oh. a thousand years' time, someone <laughs> could dig you up and wonder what, what the what, hell what, what is a queen this you were. small skeleton doing in this sodding great truck? <laughs> no, well, you, you know, you. Um, the thing about all these subjects with, with my Annika Has Issues series is that, you know, they're bittersweet, all these things. You know, yeah. death is bittersweet, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, it all started off with my thoughts about this was when... Actually, it's the same son, Josh. I do have three sons, but Josh seems to be my favourite tonight. <laughs> <laughs> when he was little and you'd, you'd ask him what he wanted to be when he grew up, you know, you'd say, what would you like to do? You know, would you like to be an astronaut or whatever? And he'd always get really excited about options. He was only three. And then one day he said, no, I want to go to the office, because he saw me leaving in the morning to go to an office full of joy, because I couldn't wait to get out of the door. (laughs) And so he said, I want to go to the office. And then he just said these few words, but will I know the way? And when you're three, you panic about things like that. Where is the office? What happens when you go out of the front door? It's really... 
Sorry, I'm quite choked up. It's really scary out there for a small child to think of knowing the way, and that's how the whole death stand-up started, about how we're desperately trying to find our way, aren't we, basically? Yeah. Have you found yours? Um... I mean, you're upset that we've even swapped chairs. Yeah, you know, so I, 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 was fi- I was fine when I was on that side of the stage, but now... You've lost I'm your not, way. I'm not sure. <laughs> we need Josh saying, but will you know the way? I think, well, it's, it's, you know, it's very... Funny. That's what I mean. To, to, for someone to come to stand-up uh, later in life, having done so much stuff, A, that's good because you've got so much experience of stuff to talk about. And you really do. I mean, your life is so full, it's unbelievable. But to come to stand-up and then sort of understand implicitly how what you need to do and to and to find things cuz that's a, that's a that's a show from you know for us that's a stand up show which it is on the radio but you could take that show yeah. out from that for is spotting the the starting point and and going yes from well i love writing i've yeah. always loved writing so and i i write them very quickly it, it's not a difficult for me to write them because yeah. they are all stories and yes. you know you i love the sort of thread you just go off on a absolute mad adventure don't you in your brain yeah um and you know if you're th- you know and it's just a really good opportunity to uh use some of those um life experiences if you like because like you know being quite ancient now i've i've lived through a lot of life <laughs> covered tick most boxes i can tell you so you know why not talk about them sure. but in a funny way and i now get when comedians what, what they hide behind humor don't they in a way we absolutely do we there's, hide there's no way that i'd stand up and deliver that as a straight <laughs> sort of lecturing thing no but it's a great but, way of treating a serious subject and it's very philosophical i've got a, an emergency question which i think it's, it's almost redundant to ask you because i think uh it definitely has but i have a, a question about do you think the picture that will be used in your obituary has been taken yet which i think Whatever you do in the rest of your life, and I, as, I think you'd have to do like a quite extreme terrorist atrocity <laughs> for it not to be this. Is you know, is you in the, in the jumpsuit of either tre- Treasure Hunt or uh, or Challenge Annika? Yeah. In in Lycra, so I, don't, I don't even bother not wearing a jumpsuit. <laughs> I mean, I don't even go there because uh, it's just it's like a it's like a uniform, isn't it? It's so funny because I posted something on Instagram yesterday, which was a photo I found of me when I was a newsreader in my very early twenties. I was working as a journalist and a newsreader in Hong Kong, and I'm this very serious young lady in a silk blouse and a little gold chain unrecognisable to this lunatic that I then became. And, it, and it's so interesting for that sliding doors moment, isn't it? Yeah. Because I, I was working as a journalist in Hong Kong and came back to the UK. And I got an agent for news work. And I was talking to BBC News about potentially being a newsreader. And they were saying, well, you're still a bit young for our audience. And then um, my agent sent me along on this audition for this helicopter show, and no one knew anything about it, so I was just sent along and met Graham, the cameraman, in Hyde Park, and we had to do a mini treasure hunt. And we just, it was just mad, because all the other people auditioning were all Olympic male, they were all male, and they were all Olympic athletes, so they shot off, and poor Graham was like, 50 cigarettes a day, like, forget that. (laughs) (laughs) So when it came to my turn, it was like, and I I heard him say to the producer, it's got to be Annie. (laughs) And and I got the job for all the wrong reasons, because he could keep up with me. And and my life turned on a sixpence. So I went from being 
a, a very serious, sort of sensible person <laughs> to, to leaping up and down mountains chased by a panting cameraman. <laughs> I mean, it was just such a weird thing that happened. I mean, it, but I think you, you know, it seems to me like you're always destined for something to happen. Obviously, this. I, I read in an interview you said that you'd auditioned be, before all of this for Animal Magic, which was um, some of us will remember that show, uh, and and had been t- the, the producer had said you wouldn't get anywhere because you had a gap in between your teeth. I know, but, but you don't even have a well. Maybe I you do, did. It's, it's but, I mean, it's not. I mean, that producer should be fired because a. It's a very attractive gap between your teeth if it's there. But B, there's other stuff to Annika Rice. Oh, yeah, no-one's going to get past the gap in her teeth. <laughs> it was very funny, one. that, because they, um, they took me off. I went off with this man, the producer, to a farm in Wales, and they put me on a tractor. <laughs> and I, didn't, I had no desire to be in front of a camera. I was doing a news trainee journalism course. Right. Um, and so I had no desire to be whatever this person meant for me to be and um, he said right okay we're gonna drive the tractor along and when we get to the post if you then start talking about the cows and I'm thinking what does that even mean you know and then I just thought maybe if I just open my mouth when I get to that post something will come out but actually you have to learn the skill of ad-libbing yeah you know when I was 16 17 at the time I hadn't I hadn't uh, learned the skill of ad-libbing or in front of a camera sure. and so when he said you know you you look crap on telly <laughs> you're really ugly and you've got a gap between your teeth I just went thanks I've no desire to be on the telly <laughs> thank you very much and went back to my you know training yeah. which I was really enjoying yeah well, it's 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 been an incredible thing, and and I think where you're with the challenge, Annika, especially because you own the format of that, which was which was canny to know that's still quite young in early in your career. Where challenge, yeah, challenge I was Annika. 28 when yeah. I wrote that format, and so yeah. you created a format yeah. that you've then sold all over the world as well. I didn't, I don't think I realised that they'd. Uh, Maybe I did, but Erin Brockovich did it in Yes, I, I had um, New York ABC did a version with Erin Brockovich being me. And as the exec producer, I had to go to New York and train. Do you know who I mean by Erin Brockovich, the campaigner and activist? She's Julia Roberts played her famously in a film. But yeah. as, a, as a person herself, she wasn't a television person at all. You know, she was a bit like me, age 16, on the tractor. She had a bloody clue. <laughs> and so I had these three very surreal days in Central Park training her to be a television <laughs> presenter. So I'd go, right, Erin, you're going to come up to me and ask me for some nails. And she'd go, why? And I'd know, no, no, you just, just do, because probably on the challenge at some point you'll need some kit, some yeah. nails. And, you know, it was really difficult, to, you know, off the cuff just to suddenly um, do this complete master class on television presentation. And then we took her choose, to choose her outfit. And it was a lovely project. It was to create, it was post 9-11, and it was to create a peace garden for the families of the farm and who'd lost their lives. So it was a really beautiful, sure. beautiful project, yeah. I mean, they did, you did a lot of Challenge Annikas, and they were, and a lot of them are very worthy and fantastic, and you, I know you're still very interested in all the projects you created. Did any of them go... Because they were, like, it was a genuine thing, wasn't it? So did, I mean, I, I'm more interested in failure than success. Annika. Oh, lots of failure. Uh, did, <laughs> no, did, they, 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 did they ever go badly wrong? They failed did, a lot, but we showed that. We didn't yeah. try and pretend we got to the deadline every time because that would just been ridiculous because they were completely impossible <laughs> projects mostly so they i mean when we went out to romania i had to 
beg and ask all the volunteers who'd come out to stay an extra four days, or for an extra week, I think it was, on that project. Um, no, a lot of the projects, we don't, we don't hit the deadline. Right. But it's really difficult. We make the time scale really impossible, like three days, because three days you can, ask pe- you can ask people to volunteer. You can ask people to give up their lives for you for three days without being paid. Beyond that, it's taking the piss, isn't it? I, but I think you can do it. I say I think you can do pretty much anything. And I, it's interesting, you're bringing Challenge Annika back. Is, I don't, you, have you filmed that already? or is that In the middle of it. Right, you're right yeah. in the middle of it. And it's, it feels like, because it's, it's such a giving idea and it's such a charitable idea, it's about community coming together and all working, it feels very like a 20th century idea that, like, because cause society's become so horrible in the last yeah. 10 to 15 years. So, yeah. but that's a beautiful, that's a wonderful thing that, you know, that you're still able to go out there and do that and I'm, yeah. pres- I'm sure uh, still well, is persuasive. The most, the most very touching thing is that on some projects we've done, uh, an architect or someone will come up and go, who's, who we're working with, and will go, oh my God, can I just say that when I was five, <laughs> you came to our village and created XYZ, and I was a little child, and I met you, and you showed me around your truck, and now I'm the architect on this project. And every project we're we're doing has got um, that 30-year history, you know, repeating itself. It's been extraordinary, the connections, because so many people were involved with those projects. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands. So, But, But I think also people trust you and believe in you know it would be easy to do that show cynically i mean you know noel edmonds could do something like it couldn't he and it would be people would be that's just off the top of my head and it would people would you'd think he doesn't really care about anything other than himself uh but with you so i think you know exactly that that it's sort of car it's like a calmer aspect to it isn't it that you do something good 30 years ago and and then People will, people will be, I think people would give up a lot more than three days for you. Well, for they're this. having to, yeah. is all I can say. <laughs> they're going on a bit. You know, it's just, it's difficult doing it in a recession, which yeah. we're doing it now. It's very different. Um, as you say, it's, it's quite humbling and touching to see the sort of issues we're dealing with now. That exactly, you, you but did not think you'd be dealing with 30 years ago. No. It's really interesting. I think it would be a very interesting series. And do you think people are still... I mean, that's just... You've got this view of uh, over, you know, 30 years' different time. Do you feel people... There's still good in people? Yeah, does totally. It, it I totally like... believe... I think we are hardwired human beings to be altruistic. Yeah. Never. I've never swerved. Don't you agree with that? Oh, God, there's a bit of a silence. Yeah, my, um, my audience are very... Can I just say, the front row are very altruistic. The rest of you... <laughs> <laughs> they hate, they hate humanity, these people. No, that's, that's, I, that's... I, I don't agree. I think people like to help. Yeah. I think the, the, it's often very difficult to know how to help because issues we're dealing with now are just so big, you know, it's overwhelming, aren't they? But coming to volunteer on a challenge is like running away to the circus. It's, you know, it's fun, it's exciting. And a lot of companies that we used to work for, you know, big construction companies, they used to beg us to come back and could, could we do another project because it's so good for team bonding yeah. in the company. Richard, you should come. Bring your family. <laughs> I'll, I'll come and sabotage stuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I've told you I like evil. Tires down. I like I like evil women. I'm not. I don't want someone good like you. 
What's, what's attractive about that? Um, How is your wife? <laughs> she's very, very, she sends her love. <laughs> but, you know, it is... It's, but I think it also shows that, you know, because it, it can be overwhelming trying to think, what can I do to make the world a nicer place? Which I would like to do. Um, but... You know, you just get on with doing... The beauty of challenge is you get on with just doing some, whatever the just thing is. Just little things. They're yeah. just community projects. I mean, some of them it's, are big things, though. Some but of like, them are big, some of them but are mo- little... mostly they're, they're small community yeah. projects. Yeah, but you're doing so, something. You know, it's better to do something rather than nothing, yeah. and you can achieve stuff. It's, you know, yeah. and you, you're, you know, you've... I've been reading about you, and you, 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 bef- you do this befriending thing with elderly... Oh, I love my old ladies. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, one's just died, sadly. Um, but Sylvia, who's now 101, wow. she'll ring me and go, hello, Annika, do you fancy a pub lunch on Thursday? And we'll just go and have a pub lunch. And, you know, I, I know I'm a, great fan, I'm a great fan of elderly people. Yeah. I don't know why I am. I've always sort of slightly felt drawn to them uh, because, you know, we forget that elderly people are... Uh, a us underneath. <laughs> you know, we're all heading that way. And you, you, you tend to see elderly people just as a mass of white-haired people. But, you know, underneath that uh, facade, they are brain surgeons and doctors and teachers and lawyers. And it's, I quite enjoy, you know, tapping into the real them rather yeah. than, you know, just that rather sort of condescending thing we do. Oh, how lovely to see you, 101, amazing, you know. Would you consider befriending younger people, like 55-year-old men? Because <laughs> I reckon we could find a few. There's a lot of lonely... I mean, not me, but there's also lots of... Just I could ring you up any time, say I'm feeling a bit lonely, and I'll tell you about my life. Uh, could we talk about that, and uh, you know, somewhere else? But I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just don't... Just spread it round a bit, is what I'm saying, Annika. Share the love. Just, I'm all for sharing the love. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Um, it is, it is it's a lovely thing. Let me ask you uh, some... I only asked you a few emergency questions last time. Let's see what I've got for you this time. Um, uh, if, if, Annika Rice, you could go into a uh, chrysalis <laughs> like a caterpillar and oh. come out as anything that you'd oh. dissolve and you would no longer be Annika Rice, but you could become Annika Rice again if you wanted. And you can come out as anything you want. A caterpillar becomes a, chooses to become a butterfly. What would you come out of the chrysalis as? <sighs> Are these emergency questions yeah, are hard, always aren't they? so hard? Yeah, but it's to, it's to um, catch you off guard. I've always wanted to be an elephant. Okay. <laughs> Is that the sort of answer you meant? Yeah, that's will we, good. Will we get nature? No, it's, it's gonna be, it could be anything you want, and that's what's. I that's find what's elephants about the rather noble and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I quite like the thought of, and also being in a, a family of elephants, I yeah. think, is a truly perfect small community. Good. And imagine all the things you could be really helpful you could on a trample challenge. trample on people. You could b- yes. lift, lift up bricks and stuff. Could you? do that. Yeah. I was thinking more of living actually, you know, in Africa. So if you were an elephant, you wouldn't help people is what you're saying? No. Okay. <laughs> no. You'd like to be an yeah. elephant that I'd just be humanity. within my own community. Yeah, I'd like to be an trampling elephant that trampling on others. On <laughs> yes. Good. I'm very glad to hear it. Um, and... Uh, uh, I asked. I think I asked you if you'd ever seen a ghost, so I'm not going to ask you that again. <gasps> ghosts, um, yes, lots of ghosts yeah. in my life. I think you've heard a ghost. You think you'd heard a ghost? Let me ask you something else. Um, are you proud of yourself? <laughs> no, I'm not actually. I mean, I know that's not the sort of answer you're meant to give. You're meant to sort of go, well, actually, you know. but and it sounds like false modesty. But I'm not particularly. No. But you've done so much. I mean, if no. anyone could be proud of themselves, no, you I'm could not. be proud no, of themselves. No, 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 because you... Uh, no, no. There was that time I killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> you could be forgiven. You... I ran someone over in Hong Kong, let's all right. face it, didn't okay. I? Okay, yes, that's true. I didn't kill they them. They didn't die, though. They didn't <laughs> die at all. They just sort of splattered down the windscreen slightly. <laughs> I was going five miles an hour, and this per- this person was high on whatever you get high what, on. What do you think, Drop? Because it seems like again, listening to your show and 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 hearing a few interviews with you, you kept, you, you had a, a difficult and an interesting family upbringing, and you were sort of the parent in the family even as a kid, and and you had some issues with your parents, which you resolved, I think, in, in later life. Do you think is that what pushed you towards? Well, I think I think Jeopardy is really useful. Yeah. And I think uh, I'm always saying to my kids as a parent, I'm really worried there's not enough fear and Jeopardy in your life. So I used to pretend to them we were really impoverished, even though we lived in quite a big house, but they didn't notice that at the time. But it was just, um, <laughs> you know, and they remember, you know, Sort of not having the heating on a lot of the time because I grew, I grew up in a very I did grow up in a very weird uh, family where it felt like the rug was constantly being pulled from under my feet mm-hmm. and so I just had no security at all literally no security so I suppose you know if you if you say I'm I'm doing this for sort of communities I just want to sort of pour love and security onto other people you yeah. know because I didn't particularly I didn't have it myself and um, but I also I think that jeopardy you feel as a small child when you don't quite know what's going to be happening the next day isn't a bad thing because I definitely wouldn't have done anything if I was a confident, you know, yeah. a teenager. I just did stuff because I had to escape. It's, it's sort of interesting, but then again, a lot of people would, have, would, would take the negative from that experience and 
sort of go the other way and be unpleasant to people. So for, for you to, no, to go through something and... Well, I just thought, well, you know, fuck, what, what have I got to lose? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was never frightened of anything. Right. Not frightened of anything. I, I just thought, well, I, I, you know, I just did things that were, were quite extreme. And I look back and I look at my younger self and think, bloody hell, you know. But I just didn't care. Because if you don't think anyone's uh, looking out for you, why do you care? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> and it's, but it really is. And the way you really do throw yourself into something. Even just doing stand-up comedy, most people, that's their absolute worst terror. nightmare. But you see, I love the terror. Yeah. Love it. I really am unsettled when everything's going really well. <laughs> so uh, everything I've done in life, and it started with, um, you know, when I, when I was working as a journalist at the BBC and I went out to Hong Kong and worked as a newsreader, and I only worked as a newsreader because I was actually one of the sub-editors and writing the scripts, and the newsreader was ill, and I went, oh, I'll have a go at that. I used to do that at the BBC, complete lie. I'd been on a tractor in a farm and told I was shit and shouldn't ever go near a camera. Um, so I did, you know, that's a real example of just throwing myself out there. Yeah. But it's, it's worth throwing yourself out there a lot like a splatter gun because something will stick that suits you. I th- you know, I think if you're a certain type of personality, maybe. I think, you know, I think it's, tr- it's a great way to live your life and most people don't live their life that way. Yeah. And most people, it, it's sort of, a, it's like improv in life, yes. it's like going, whatever's thrown at you, you'll, well, you you'll go with it. Jim Sweeney and Steve Steen. Yeah. Well, I, do you know them? Yes, do you? Well, I actually, I've never said this before, but I owe a lot to them because when I first came back from Hong Kong before I found the helicopters with no doors and the panting cameraman, I worked on a children's programme called CBTV I with those it. two. Yeah. And we did improv the whole time. Right. And we developed comedy. Yeah. That's what we did. We did little sketches throughout the programme. And so, uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about them. Well, I, They were I, great. I remember, I remember that show. I don't remember do you? you being on the show. Yeah, do you remember I, you that see, show? Yeah, because I, I, I really loved them, and as I still do. Yeah. They're, they're both uh, fantastic men and fantastic comics. Uh, and, yeah, and, and brilliant improvisers. Uh, CBTV Channel 14. That's it, yeah. yeah. And so the producer would send us off to Paris or right. to the miners' strike or, you know, weird sort of... He'd just throw us in situations, right. and the three of us would just make something up. And we all had our roles. They were the sort of hapless duo, and I was the slightly sort of scathing person. I don't know. We just, I was sort of Lady Penelope right. <laughs> in Thunderbirds. I don't know. That was, that was how we sort of rumbled it together. And they were funny. Yeah. You know, they were funny little sketches. And that's how you learn, isn't it? Yeah. You do loads and loads of silly things like that. Yeah. And eventually it sticks and you think, oh, I can do... Uh, that's, that's fun, doing well, comedy. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't get anywhere if you don't do stuff. And if you, if you try yeah. stuff, then stuff can happen. Yeah. I mean, it, you'd quote, in the, you'd quote it in the, in the radio show uh, from A.A. Milne. Piglet was so excited at the idea of being useful that he forgot to be frightened anymore, which I think sort yeah. of sums up. That literally sums up yeah. me. Piglet, piglet... <laughs> because it's so true you know if you're um you know bloody terrified of stuff if you um suddenly become useful if you throw yourself into a bigger picture if you become part of something way bigger than yourself you the fear goes yeah it just does piglet is such a philosopher 
<laughs> and I think the thing about you as well is there's you still have this quality of innocence, even though one suspects that underneath the, the you're you're fairly. Uh, Let's say adventurous. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, nobody else would tell that story about Captain Dick and, and just let everyone else make up their own joke about Captain Dick and, and, and make out that you don't understand why that's funny. Uh, and that's, that's comedically absolutely brilliant because it's, you know, it, would be, it wouldn't be that funny if you made a big thing about it. But by not making... But there's a, there's a, it, that people can listen that go, does she not know that no, Captain, that, Captain that... Dick sounds quite, quite rude? <laughs> But that becomes your device, yeah. Doesn't but it's it? amazing. That's your, but that's, that's your thing. That's what you do. Yeah. And it started in with CBTV One yeah. Four. That you know, I'd be the one that would say the most shocking, <laughs> filthy, revolting things. But you know, in a in a way that everyone was left reeling, thinking, "Did she mean that?" <laughs> and we did get away with murder. Yeah, but it's 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 very smart and very clever and very interesting. Uh, anyway, let's. Have uh, you been doing Jungian therapy? Well, you tried oh, it out. That's interesting. Has anyone yeah. done that? Jungian therapy? It's sort of dream therapy. And if you go and see a therapist, I, can I just say, I did this years ago, yeah. decades ago, and, and this was part of one of my, my stand up things, talking about different therapies. And what they do, uh, the, the therapist tells you to go to bed, you know, normally go to sleep, but to keep a pencil and a notebook by your pillow. Um, and then when you wake up in the middle of the night, to immediately write down what you're dreaming because you, I'm sure you all know that you forget your dreams in seconds, don't you? I mean, it's impossible to be the dream catching, catcher. Um, and, and, that, and it sounds ridiculous because you think, by the time I've woken up and got a pen and pencil, that's not exactly spontaneous, yeah. your subconscious. It really works, though. And you wake up in the morning, you just go, fuck! <laughs> because your subconscious is this really murky place. And, it's, and it really freaked me out so much, I had to stop doing it. I just did not... <laughs> honestly, it was torture. It was so shocking. And I, the thought that all that went on in my head without my brain telling me <laughs> that was going on, I, I was freaked out by that, yeah. What was the worst thing you were dreaming, Annika? I used to, oh no, I can't even go. Okay, no, you don't yeah, have to. It, I think it would become a different program. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to go very dark. <laughs> no, my, my dream, one of my dreams was that I was trapped in a room with the walls closing in on me and my children were on the other side of the walls. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, told, told you it wouldn't get a laugh. <laughs> doesn't, have to get, doesn't have to get a laugh. No, well, you know, but honestly, all our dreams are like that. I'm not saying anything that probably someone else won't dream. A lot of people dream their teeth are falling out. Yeah. Have you ever done that? I don't. I've, my, my, the one I always have, which is just annoying because like, I have it so often you'd think I'd remember in the fucking yeah. dream that it's always a dream. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always like... But that's it, you don't. I'm always like, whatever age I am, is just sitting my A-levels or my degree Oh, again. yes. And so I just yes. all the my maths A level, and I go yes. in, and I don't remember anything. I got did well in my maths A level. There's no reason to go yep. back, but now I don't remember anything about how to do maths. I can't yeah. even do my chart, my daughter's yes. maths homework. And so if you made me do maths, or sometimes it's French, which I didn't even do, you know. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I went I went gone. on a great French exchange once. <laughs> I, w- I was sent off to Paris. I, my parents barely knew I was going. I think the school arranged it. Anyway, I was fifteen. So I got myself to Paris somehow, 
And I had this address and I turned up at the front door. And it's quite imposing, Paris, if you've... you've I'd never even been on a plane before I got the train there. Um, and I'd never even been to a restaurant. <laughs> anyway, I got to Paris and I knocked on the door expecting to see Madame Levine and her lovely children. And it was just Monsieur Levine. And Monsieur Levine brought me in and he didn't speak any English and I spoke no French at all, as you don't. Do you? Let's face it, when you're learning French at school. And so he showed me to my bedroom, and I just had no idea what was going to happen next. I didn't understand anything. There was a bathroom where there seemed some sort of... to be some kind of foot cleaning device, <laughs> which I later found out was the B-Day, but it took me many days to work that one out. And anyway, I just wandered around Paris on my own, and there was no way of contacting your parents. No. I mean, it didn't even occur to me I could ring my parents. I mean, honestly, no one would have been at all interested. So I just kind of hung around uh, Parisian coffee bars, hoping people would buy me a, a drink. And then in, in the end, in despair, I just rang my boyfriend in London and told him what had happened. And he came and picked me up in his Alfa Romeo. Oh, wow. Uh, he was six, 17, I was 15, and we went off to the south of France, and we just drove off with a great roar, and I could see Monsieur Levine looking anxiously out of the window. I just went, au revoir, Monsieur Levine! <laughs> and John and I went off camping in the south of France and got back home two weeks later, amazing suntan. <laughs> Vaguely, my parents said, how's, how's the French? And I went, great, <laughs> and that was it. Isn't it usual when you go on a French exchange there's, there's like a, a, ch a child there's there? There's no, exactly. So going on a French exchange to a, ma a man's house. Exactly, exactly. That is how weird my life was. <laughs> I told you the rug was always pulled from under my feet. Even bloody the French exchange pulled the rug from under my feet. <laughs> Nothing ever went to plan. You've been on House of Games. <gasps> just Do you remember done, it? Just done the Christmas episode. Oh, have you done an extra one? Mm. Very good. Well, I didn't realise Richard Osman was using it as a sort of dating service. <laughs> you know, he's marrying one of yeah, the I contestants. Know. I know. And I'm quite, I'm quite annoyed. I've been on it twice and he never, <laughs> never even made a move on me. No, that is annoying. I'd like I... to climb him like a tree. He's yeah. a big. Yeah. Did you? Did no, you? You're right. I, I'm, I always liked it when I sat very near him. Yeah. And hoped Were you flirting? Slight twinkle. Well, yeah, I was actually. Yeah. yeah. You're right to be married. I'd marry yeah. Richard Osman. Who wouldn't marry Richard Osman? He's got, he's got to have a bit of... He's, got, he's doing well, isn't he, with the he's old books right. and everything. No, no I did it again. The first time I did it, um, it, it was ridiculous for the whole week because I had complete... Well, I had finger terror. I couldn't get do the buzzer thing in time. But I was on with um, Al Murray, oh, yeah. who's probably the cleverest man ever. Well, second cleverest. And Niche. <laughs> <laughs> and who, sorry? Nish. Oh, Nish Kumar. Yeah. yeah. Who is probably the second most <laughs> clever person when it comes third. to a buzzer. And <laughs> third. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't a great success, but all I will say is for the Christmas run, things went a little better. Oh, good. Well, I'll give you a tip for anyone who's going to... Oh, none of you are celebrities, so you won't be on. <laughs> if you're on again, I can't remember exactly what it is, but there is an absolute trick to the buzzer... What? I can't, I can't... What, you've you got can't to remember? Look at, 
Well, and that's to... why I did so well, because there's an absolute trick to being the... When you've got to be the first one to buzz in when someone else hasn't got it, you've got to wait for something happens that indicates that the buzzer's alive again and you've got to be able to oh. spot... I think it, it lights, maybe it lights up or go, the light goes off and then you've got to press straight away. Well, I learned... I, my trick was I just pressed the buzzer. Right. And that's then, where you went wrong. And then read... No, no, the second time round when it was so successful... Yeah. I just pressed it. Before you knew the answer. Before I knew the yeah, answer. Yeah, you've got to do that as well. Got to do that. But when you... when you Because, like, everyone's... If it's an obvious thing and someone... Yeah. They've got always got a thickie on there. When the thickie hasn't... <laughs> when the thickie hasn't got it, you've got to come in and that's how, that's how you... Yeah. That's, this isn't how you get to marry Richard Osman, though. It's, <laughs> you get to marry Richard Osman by being all... Mm, oh, oh, Richard. I was too... Con- as with everything, I was concentrating on winning and missed the main prize... Taskmaster, I won and never got any work out of it because I tried too hard. <laughs> the House of Games, I've got all the stuff. I loved it this no time. I was on with Phil Wang. Oh, Phil Who I great. now have a crush on. In yeah. fact, I wasn't really interested in Richmond Osman because I found him so utterly charming. <laughs> and he just made such a point because his dressing room was next to mine. When I walked out, he'd go, that's a lovely jacket, Annika. <laughs> Every time. That's another lovely jacket, Annika. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Wang. Yeah. Uh, you were the co-host of Rolf Paints the Diamond Jubilee. Just thought I'd, just thought I'd mention it. Well, I know... I did a lot of painting programs. You with did. Rolf. You're, big, you're big into art. That's why I brought uh, yeah. it up. <laughs> and I did panto with Rolf. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you must have crossed the what's the word? I was going to say crossed the Rubicon. That's probably the wrong. Fr- you lived through the 1980s of uh, no. working in light entertainment. Yeah. It must have been a, a you know, frightening not, time. Not once. Right. Well, did anyone make a pass at me? Wow. Isn't that sad? I mean, well, it's actually not, I think it it's probably, not a badge of honour. No, I think it is a badge of honour because they're unpleasant men who yeah. feed on weakness. Yeah, and, no, they and just... so you're too strong. I'd have, I'd have literally need them. Yeah. I mean, I'd have been brutal. Yeah, I, I, it's only happened good. once. And um, someone quite famous, very famous, uh, took me uh, on, the, on the pretense that he had to go back to his hotel and get something. Right. And so I innocently went and just stood outside and then he tried to drag me in. Right. And I just said, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he went, oh, sorry. And we carried on, went to an art exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> that was my only experience. Well, that's good. I didn't really want to get into that, but well done, Annika. Uh, congratulations, madam, for surviving. That was, must have been Rolf's... One of Rolf's last jobs, wasn't it? The Diamond Jubilee? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was he yeah. sweating a bit? Yeah. As he, as he... No, it's, it, it was... Um, yeah. Um, oh, God. I, I, yeah, I'm not even going to go down. Don't go there. Room. I'm just being... <laughs> I'm just seeing what I get. I got you... And we'll talk about art in a second. I got you a job. You got me I a got job. I got you a job after the, the people come on podcast and then they get jobs. You got, got I got me you a, a I got you a job. job. You're on my podcast and then Alex Horn said, yeah. um, I want to I've listened yeah. Annika on the show and I'd like to can yeah. you give me your, your, your email. I dream of being on Taskmaster. Yeah. I'm sure possibly, you will be. Well, has well it I happened? said that you were obviously, you're obviously <laughs> the, I mean you probably are, this is what happens every time. I don't know who's on Taskmaster. Someone comes and goes, oh, why aren't I being on Taskmaster? They've just recorded it. So that's what's going to happen. But the, it wasn't for Taskmaster, but you would obviously be amazing on Taskmaster. 
Um, so they definitely will put you on if they haven't already. But the, uh, Alex I, Horn's sitcom... I, I can't talk about the sitcom, can, oh, can I? You not? I don't know. It, has it gone out yet? It hasn't gone it out, was but, very funny. But people know you're, you're on that. That's, that's pretty... Well, I'm OK. I'm on it with Martin Kemp. Oh, wow. And okay. we do this very funny sketch together where we're just utterly childish. <laughs> and it's a, a complicated story, but I, so I won't give that away. But the funny thing was, when he was when we were filming this literally lunatic day where I'm scampering around in a jumpsuit and he's being absolutely ridiculous, his son, Roman Kemp, yes. and my son, Josh, had just made this amazing suicide documentary together, which okay. my son directed and produced. And so we just suddenly looked at each other and burst out laughing, realising that our children were being really noble <laughs> and doing amazing work yeah. and tackling suicide issues. And we were running around in jumpsuits <laughs> pretending to overdose on magic mushrooms. <laughs> that was the premise. Well, that's good because you were the adult when you were a child and now, now you're the yeah, adult you're now making up for lost so time. That, that yeah. is, that's fair enough. But, yeah, I mean, it, but it's really interesting because obviously you took a... You did really well in the, in the 90s and the 80s and the 90s, and then you took some time off for your family, really. About but 20 just, years, yeah. yeah. But you've come back, and it's yeah. you're bang straight into it, <laughs> getting more series, people going, yeah, we want Annika. It's, 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 you're just well, do you know what? Um, it's, it's really... Do you know why I'm most thrilled about it? Because when 40 years ago this year, Treasure Hunt started, yeah. and that was a series where... Honestly, women in television in those days, no one looks old enough to even remember, but women were not seen on television except behind a desk as a newsreader or draped over a car as a competition in a red bikini. Mm -hmm. They weren't the prize, the car was, but (laughs) honestly, you wouldn't have known. And so to suddenly hit um, British TV screens as a woman in control, centre stage, in charge, doing treasure hunt was phenomenal of its time. It was really groundbreaking, and people forget that up until that moment, women just weren't seen in that role. Sure. And then challenge, you know, again, a very strong role. And a lot of women started their TV careers. Um, we had a mainly female team, which, again, was really ahead of its time. You know, we had a female camera woman, again, never heard of. And it's just great to be back and to to bring all that history with you yeah. and uh, to carry on doing it, but, it, you know, in a different way. But then equally to be a middle-aged woman now, if I'm allowed yeah. to say that. I think and old, to, and, old and rather middle-aged, to, <laughs> to be honest. Well, you don't look any different, I have to say. You're still wearing a jumpsuit and you still look incredible. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it, it's yeah. a medium that it, traditionally... Yes. You know, young, yeah, younger women are on and then, and then suddenly you don't see anyone yeah. over the age of 40 on... It, it is true. There are women. So, so I so. do feel very much that um, it's an important yeah. thing to say, um, I'm back and I'm doing what I do. I'm not having to uh, do it on a sofa. <laughs> you know, me and Dave the sound man, we're both back. We're something like 130 years between <laughs> us. And um, nothing's changed, you know, because inside you never change, which is what I was saying about looking at elderly people earlier inside you're still the same person and uh you know good for for british tv and radio for uh, taking me at at face value rather inside value rather than face value well yes but i mean still a a beautiful wonderful face apart from the gap between the teeth but it's very (laughs) often 
very off-putting. <laughs> makes me physically ill. I know, because you can't really look at me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't look at you. But if you just keep your mouth closed... I have closed, noticed uh... you're really averting your gaze. <laughs> I feel sorry for the people in the front row there. <laughs> it's, just, it's terrible. But it's, despite your disability of that terrible gap, you've, you've managed to still get on TV. So, uh, no, it's, it's, uh, but, but it's because, you know, I don't think there's many people like you, and it's, there is... It's an, you know you're an incredible person, and the, you, when, I, often when I when I when I research people, we go, oh man, they've done all this and all this. But you've really, you know, everything just seems to be like even just like you did a piano recital in 2015, having to relearn the <gasps> piano. In oh five my months. god, that was That's bloody insane. terrifying. Someone rang me up, this p- concert pianist, and said, "Do you play the piano?" And I went, "No." And she said, oh, because we're looking for people to take part in this Christmas concert, famous people who play the piano. And I went, well, hmm, aged 11, does that count? And I went, okay, I'll do it. And so I had something like six months to learn to play the piano, to concert pianist standard, (laughs) and then play in front of a whole room. That was the single most terrifying thing. When I practised, my my, um, foot on the pedal just went up and down so much all you heard was juddering over my Greek and I was too shy to even ask my son's piano teacher if I could practice in front of her because I just was utterly humiliated I just could not remember it and you know my muscle memory did not come back and I'd only done about so you know aged 11 you don't I haven't learned much up to that point anyway I played in front of her with my foot trembling. I was shaking so much. I absolutely blushed with humiliation. It was truly embarrassing. And she just looked at me and she wrote on top of my um, thing, propranonol. And I thought, oh, that's nice. That's some sort of instruction, like go slowly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beta blocker. And she said, just go and buy the bloody stuff. There's no way you're going to do this. Just take a load of bloody beta blockers. <laughs> so I went and got my stash. But actually, from then on, I was fine. Right. It was really, it was a really weird turning point. And then I did the concert and I loved it. It was fine. But most people would just say, no, I'm not, I, I yes, can't possibly do that, it. But back to Jeopardy. Yeah. It's back to Jeopardy, that's isn't it? What, that's what's extraordinary, you know. But, uh, yeah. To, that or building an orphanage or whatever it is just to throw yourself into something and try and do it and see what happens yeah. i suppose it's not you know it's not fearing failure i mean you obviously still were worried about failing but it's but it's, yeah. it's, it's overcoming that to some extent yeah fearing failure. or not you know yes. not worrying about of course you just yeah i've never even thought of the op- the thought of failure right. now you've planted <laughs> that i'm not going to be able destroyed to destroy the whole brand no, no, but i don't it's not that i'm even confident it's because i'm not confident weirdly underneath but anyway whatever it is i feel um that fear is there to be conquered so that's how my brain works yeah it goes it's fine you'll you'll get there okay it's it's you know it's it's very admirable um you are uh, we did mention art uh you were on uh would i lie to you and and you <laughs> we, we saw a life model that oh beautiful roy with. yeah so. Beautiful Roy. I Oh, lovely Roy. He, he, we, we're so familiar with each other now. He'll, he'll ring the front doorbell. I say, come on in, Roy. He starts getting undressed. 
start naked in the kitchen, have a cup of tea, and I go, shall I set up here or should we do it in the sitting room? And I remember my builders came around once and they've got keys and it could, they didn't know I was going to be in and they walked in and beautiful Roy is start naked. I'm clothed with an apron on, <laughs> which looked weird. But, and we hadn't set up the paints by that stage. <laughs> so there was no context. And you need context when you've got beautiful Roy naked in your kitchen. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you shouldn't take his builder. clothes off until you've set up the paints, I would say. <laughs> no, but that's how, you know, it's fine. <laughs> he just cracks on. We just crack on with it. Yeah. Anyway, he, he took part on Would I Lie to You? You know, they have a round where someone comes on as the mystery guest and you have to explain why you... It's still the funniest thing I've ever done. I mean, not that I was being funny. It was everyone around it. It was just hysterical because, yeah. But you were good at lying as well. There was a round where you had to lie. I about, love a lie. I, I can lie about anything. Yeah, but yeah. it's quite. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I'm very good at lying. Because well, I'm very good at elaborating yeah. rather than lying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did. It yeah. was. It was because it was the kind of thing you think. Oh, it sounds too made up. But then you kind of think. Well, that would would that be? But you were so. You're very, you know, worryingly good at lying <laughs> for someone who does so much good. <laughs> You know, if you want to do a terrorist atrocity, that's all I'm saying. Then <laughs> forget about the jumpsuit. So, but the art is very—you do—you're very good at art. And no, you... I'm not. No, but again, I just enjoy it. And again, with art, I—I I paint. I have the most coveted place with Maggie Hambling, who's probably our greatest living artist. She is my mentor now. And what happened was that I was doing an interview with her and, I, and she chain smokes. Do you all know Maggie Hambling? Have you heard of her? She does very controversial art um, and, and she's amazing. She's now in her 70s. She chain smokes. She tells everyone to fuck off and she's really outspoken and look her up. She's incredible. Anyway, I went to interview her and then she said, can you all fuck off now, you film crew? Uh, because I've got to get ready for my masterclass, because she has this amazing masterclass of about 12 painters. And I just looked at her for ages and said, can I come? <laughs> and, um, I mean, I just was not qualified to go to this masterclass. <laughs> anyway, she looked at me for about 10 minutes and then just wrote down on a piece of paper, 10 o'clock, bring charcoal. And I've been part of the gang ever since. But again, if I hadn't... Been, if I hadn't done that, so I'm, you know, you've you've got to put yourself into weird situations, yeah. and for the odd thing to stick. And that that group I paint with is truly my tribe that I will go through life with. I love that group of painters. Yeah. But you know, that's you do put yourself into these places, and you know, people. There is something about you that makes. Someone go, yeah, okay. yeah, you can come to my masterclass without having <laughs> checked never, whether you can do draw. Paint? <laughs> I mean, I, I could have said that. Can I come? They're going, oh, yeah, I can't really but can't come do art. But as it happens, every class has got to have the class clown. So I'm happy to be the class clown. So Maggie will just go, where's the fucking head, Rice? Because she calls me Rice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of weird. I, li I, li I kind of like the abuse, but, you know, there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of humanity there as well, and it's a, we're a very close group. Very close group. All right, and I want to know, before we finish, having listened to your philosophical series about, you know, and listened to you talking about death, what do you think 
I mean, your death is going to be a long way away for you, Annika. I know that for sure. <laughs> but uh, what do you think happens to you after, you after you've died, Annika? I would like to know what Annika Oh, God, time. wouldn't it be nice to imagine something marvellous? Yeah. But I can't. I no. don't. I don't have those thoughts. Do you think it's just game over? Yeah. Well, that's good. Worms. I agree. I mean, you're right. You're definitely right. But, yeah. Uh, I thought you might. I mean, I thought... I'd love to think differently what? you know oh. all those years i bloody was in the church choir <laughs> and did three weddings on a saturday singing away you know did the solo all for nothing Annika. all for nothing because, because there is su- no God. suddenly that religion just seeped away and i thought yeah. what is that all about and i just wish i didn't because i'd love to be i'd love to be a believer in something but i i kind of believe in a, a bigger thing i suppose it's more sort of spiritual yeah. I like to worship the the sun and the moon and the tides. But it's but it's worship. You know, you're, it's making the most of being alive. It doesn't matter what comes afterwards. It, hopefully, it's nothing because well, it, it would no, be awful to go on forever. It'd be really sad if you and I have said this, and then everyone else who's a believer, they're yeah. all on a sun lounger, yeah. with someone really nice that they wanted to hang out with, yeah. and we we are just well. I'm trying. Sawdust. My my uh, you know, my parents are Christian, and I spent my whole life trying to convince them not to be religious so that they so that they'll believe their whole life and then and just before they die they go yeah you are right and then they'll end up in hell that, that's my that's my hope but just, because you can you can do the opposite can't you? you can be bad all your life and they go oh yeah i do believe in god sorry about the no, stuff but, i did yeah you can't do it last minute i don't you think can, i don't no, think it works can. that's the whole point i don't that's don't the whole point of religion like but it'd be much better the other way around when you spend your whole life being good and then going, no, I denounce <sighs> Jesus Christ. But I, I do a lot of work with the Marie Curie, the charity, yeah. and they, they um, send nurses out with end-of-life uh, patients. They're an amazing charity. And I talk to them a lot, especially when I was researching death, one of my issues. <laughs> and they said it is very interesting um, seeing believers... Are facing death in, in, in their last few days. This is cheerful, this conversation. It's, right, no, it's going very see, well, isn't it? We've got to now, you can get serious. Uh, okay, That's and the they said uh, it's really interesting because the people who believe have just such a sort of calm about them because, yeah. what the hell? They're off, they're off on an adventure. They're off on their gap year. And, they're, uh, you know, you and I... Yeah. I'm happy. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to go. I, 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 but it's the... No, I, my grandma went through all of the Alzheimer's stuff that you talk about and the Alzheimer's one and you know you're you're very honest about it with your father and you say that you know there was a point where you considered a... i did try and kill him yeah <laughs> i mean you no, thought about it i thought it. about it yeah. i really did think about it when he was in and hospital. it really makes sense because yeah. you're absolutely you know that when i think that's my that's what my if my jungian thing is when i wake up in the middle of the night i worry that i'm already in a a hospice and this is yeah. just this is my only memory as no, I'm reliving my life but the thing is also which which I touch on in my um thing is that um I'm sure all of you have parents who at some stage have said to you never let me be that person in yeah. that care home get rid of me before that happens there's a lot of years going the front row's amazing aren't they they've, yeah. they've just been absolutely on point They're very nice the people whole who thing. want to kill their parents yeah. <laughs> no, no. no no but that's all it's all yeah. my parents said to me all yeah. through my, my my memory of childhood and right the way through never never let me be that person in a care home and and then the time comes and you you feel such guilt that you're not doing the right thing by them yeah so terribly dark thoughts you know you do have them 
it, but it's you know, yeah. it's it's interesting and it is normal and it should yeah. we, sh- we should be allowed to um, act on. I mean, not <laughs> not with a pillow necessarily, but uh, <laughs> we should be able to because it's not. I don't think it's a, it's not a dignified way to go. And no. it's, they're sort of keeping people alive. Well, my just dad like, used to say, "I wouldn't mind going next Tuesday," and once his carer Mark um, saved his life. He was choking on chocolate, and he said to me. Oh, Annie, I've saved your dad's life. He was choking on chocolate and it took all my, you know, <laughs> everything to go, oh, well done, Mark. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. I was gutted because my dad would have loved death by chocolate as his <laughs> epitaph. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but I think, you know, again, d- d- discussing it's cheery that. cheery this, isn't but it? it? But you discussed <laughs> it in your show and your show's a comedy show and I think, you know, it is also important to talk about it serious issues and that story is you know that story is a very funny story about you wishing your dad had, had died but it's also a funny it's a funny it's a funny joke uh, and so it's you know i think i think those things we need to talk about them because it and increasingly because we're all going to live longer and and what i don't there's no point in it if if you're not you you know so you like no you point s- at all I, I think people should be able to do a a living will at this stage and go yeah. this is the point at which you can get rid of me yeah. Good. Well, Lovely. you do. I've got a pillow backstage, Annika, and uh, I'm going to take that out of context. She was. She didn't have anything to live for. I mean, it just makes me wonder how. If the people who live, who work in homes, it must happen a lot, right? And they must just go, oh yeah, they died. It must happen a lot. It must happen is all the time. Is this actually a comedy podcast? It is. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an everything podcast. No, but it is dark. Death is dark. And it's <laughs> funny, you know. It can be fun. I mean, my sister and I sat on my dad's bed while he was still alive, but it was his the last day because he'd been given a lethal injection of some kind. And so he was very out of it. And we planned his pu- funeral sitting yeah. on his bed and we'd ring up the funeral parlour and say, so, yeah, what we'd like... And they'd go, oh, I'm so sad to hear about his passing. We went, no, no, he hasn't died yet, but it'll probably be this <laughs> afternoon sometime. And, but, you know, it was my sister and I, we just went into that sort of mode of organisation. Yeah. And we did it lying on my dad's bed with him, completely yeah, of out of it. It was very surreal... As I say it, I'm thinking, have I gone too far? <laughs> <laughs> no, you've said it in your show, and you know, and you point out all the, the there's always there's comedy in everything, and and yeah. it's it's about family, and you know, yeah. and and where it's, it's about love. It's about love. You it's, do it's this absolutely. through love, yeah, don't you? Absolutely. You you want? I was going to say you kill through love. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you, it's all done from a position of love. It is, and and it, and there still is a lot of funny things, you know, about. You tell a lot of funny stories about about uh, your your dad not knowing what, what your name was, but thinking you were called Dulux and oh, things like that. So yeah. it's because we we used to look at paint swatches the whole time when he had dementia because he couldn't really remember anything. So we'd go, oh look, I'd have my Dulux uh, paint swatches, and I'd go, that yellow would be lovely for a tie, and blue dressing gown, and we'd honestly spend hours doing this. And then one day I just said to him, Dad, what do you think my name is? And he just looked at me and went, Dulux? And it was such a lovely moment. <laughs> I want to actually be called Dulux. <laughs> we'll call you Dulux. Um, so, at Challenge Annika, when's, is, it out? is it out next year? Or is it next out year. Yeah, next fantastic. Year. And are you going to do more stand-up? 
Yeah, I really, I would love to. Yeah, I would really love. I mean, to you're going to be too. The problem is you're going to get too too successful, be on TV all the time, and not no, be able to do not. stand up. No, no, That's no, the problem. No. The stand up comedian. No, 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 no. I want to just. I'd like to just do a few. I so enjoyed going away with Lucy Porter. That <laughs> <laughs> was the highlight of my life. Not all comedians are as nice as Lucy. Are they Porter, not? No. Yeah, she so did don't. tell me some quite dark stories. <laughs> <laughs> now you mention it. Um, but nice. we did have a lovely time, really yeah. lovely time. Well, it's absolutely, it's so lovely to meet you, Annika. Uh, I'm a, a, a lifelong fan and, uh, you know. CBTV. See, I've I, never met anyone who ever watched that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very funny. Because it was quite was out there, because it was ITV, wasn't it? On and children's on B- ITV. Yeah, but, but on BBC you could have watched Blue Peter, yeah. which was safer. And we were the sort of slightly subversive, you it know, was. children's magazine program on the other side. That's what it is. Tis was was fantastic as well. Yeah. But yeah, I do I do remember that show. It was wow. Fantastic. Um, well, look, good luck with whatever comes next. I know uh, you're going to be taking on fantastic challenges for many years to come. Uh, and as I say, absolutely incredible human being, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Annika Rice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Do we go now? You have been listening to Rahula Stapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Annika Rice. Thank you very much to Scant Regard for playing the music of this podcast finale. Finale. Thank you very much to them. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Thank you very much to Chris Evans, not that one, and all of the team from Go Faster Stripe and Sky Potato Productions. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for having us. And that's, that's all the people I want to thank today. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Head to GoFasterStripe.com. You can buy my book, Can I Have My Ball Back? If you look in there, GoFasterStripe.com slash ball. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.